0: I have enjoyed that yes boy for be my I have enjoyed
1: that yes boy be oh my I have enjoyed that yes boy be oh, my I have enjoyed that yes, be oh, have, oh, have enjoyed that yes boy no oh, my hide in my the far note and thank you very much for tuning in to another episode of code with kingy where once again it is brought to you by the great team over at sportsfield and for those of you that are in the market for a new protein or pre-workout, I do encourage you to go and check out their website. And thankfully, if you do find anything that tickles your fancy, um, they've hooked my listeners up with a weed discount code, that being CWK. So again, go and check them out, sportsfield.co.nz, um, and use my code to save yourself some cash. But rolling over to my guest. It is the bro, Jared London. Uh, for those of you that don't know who he is, uh, he is the former social media manager for the Blues and who is currently applying his trade for Dynasty Sport. First of all, cuz thank you very much for your time. How's life? And for the people that maybe don't know you, do you want to give a quick rundown of who you are and what exactly you do?
0: Yeah, bro. Sweet. Thanks for the intro and our uh, sports feel. How good. He, he just come straight out the gate with a promo. I love it. Got to get that beard, bro. Home, yeah. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. My name's um, Sir Jared London um I'm a Westie up in West Auckland a bit over 30 (laughs) and yeah I um I'm currently the Dynasty Sports social media manager I started there in March before that I spent four years uh, I called myself chief antagonist at the Blues so I was the one who was talking shit in the comments and posting at the Crusaders and just starting shit up that was me (laughs) and then um yeah before that I was actually a primary school teacher bro I lived in um Sydney for four years teaching and then two years in London before that and I just um, one day 2017 started recording a podcast with the bro who was from Christchurch about rugby and we um, yeah just grew from that and eventually found myself where I'm at today. There's a longer story to it but that's the short.
1: True so teacher turned social media whiz. Okay so you mentioned the fact that you started a podcast but is that where your I guess your career began in the social media space or was there anything that predated that?
0: Nah i It started with that podcast day eh? like I've always like listened to them like the classic like Joe Rogan and all that like flagrant too and brilliant idiots for Charlemagne Tha God and that like mm-hmm. so I've always like loved podcasts and I remember I was listening to an episode and they were talking about how easy it was to start one and the whole thing was like just start one fuck it get a microphone just start it start talking about what you like doing grab a mate and so And I'm sure you probably had a similar moment where you're like oh man I can do this and like so yeah 2017 our first episode was on the 1st of March 2017 as the super rugby season kicked off and I remember I was I was teaching like primary school PE so like not thrilling (laughs) plenty of spare time because like as a as a PE teacher at a primary school like you don't really have to do as much report writing or planning like it's a sweet gig, so like... Yeah, you're you the fun guy. And, yeah, you get home at like 4 p.m. and I'm like, what am I going to do to it? Like, I've got to do something. So started, um, yeah, we started talking about the 2017 season, the Lions Tour was coming up and um, just grabbed like a this black blue Yeti microphone for like 150 bucks, got a free account on SoundCloud, used GarageBand and we just hit record. Idiots, we put it on. <laughs> oh, I probably shouldn't say <laughs> I think you can still find some of our episodes, hey, Those earlier ones. Oh man. Um, and we would yeah, we just talk rubbish, no plan, off the cuff, just it is what it is. If we said it, we said it. Yeah. And so then that's that's where all the social media kind of stuff started. Dip the toe in the water, just talking shit about rugby.
1: Mm. So you want to make start a podcast. And as someone like you said, who started his own podcast, uh, I started mine 2020. Funnily enough, I'd, I'd had this whole thing in the pipeline for ages, but I just never bit the bullet because, you know, all the sorts of anxiety and fears, like, oh, who's going to listen to it? Everyone's going to take the piss out of me. Righty, righty, ra. Right. But I was actually going through a bit of a blip in my life. So it was like, it was something for me to pull myself away from all the stuff that was bogging me down. And um, as you'd know, like when you get into a passion project, you just end up rolling. But how did you gain traction? Because that's the most yeah. difficult thing, I think, for anybody. Like for me personally like a lot of the stuff that I do um, I'm at the mercy of my guests sharing the show so that way it would sort of boosts my audience and I try to do a bit of social media stuff here and there you know with different sort of graphics but yep. 2017 is real early and um, I'm not sure if you were adept with Photoshop and all the other stuff at the time so how did you go about marketing yourselves and actually putting um, your names out
0: there? That's a very good question um, we yeah we did a podcast we tried like boosting stuff on facebook like spending money and it was like we ended up i don't know like 50 dollars here 50 there but it was like you're not engaging with the right people so like kind of had the sense like part of the reason why we started the podcast was because we wanted to prove all our aussie mates that rugby union's actually all good because over there it's just rugby league yeah like, it's just log and like the union is like the private white like, it's like what soccer is in new zealand bro rugby union over there is for the private school boys mm. and some lucky scholarship winner And so like having this constant battle in the office of like, nah, union is mean, like you just don't know what you're on about. And so that's why we started the podcast. And then maybe a couple episodes in me and Benny were like, let's go to a club game. Let's like hit up grassroots footy. So we went along to like shoot shield games with a camera and a mic. It's called, it was called, I'll just say what it's called. It's called the rugby roundup. If you look on YouTube, you can find like our old videos. Like we'd go to, we'd find the most pissed person in the crowd, put a microphone in front of them and be like, how, how good is union? And like, they'll say the most wild shit. Eh? like, And so we started getting a following because we were going out into the real world and like interacting with people being like, can we come cover your game? We ended up getting like media accreditation for shoot shield in 2017. And then 2018, we got accreditation with the Waratahs. And then we got the accreditation taken away once we started ripping into israel his oh. <laughs> like, like i don't know you could uh, if you know the, if you followed the blues you know that like i could cross that line sometimes so i've, I've always been crossing lines like mm. so yeah like we were our marketing was just going out into the aussie rugby community and like our mission was like we're not just like rich union private it's like accessible to everybody everyone plays it we went to women's games men's games we covered like what was it called the women's sevens with like all the university teams we went to that and there was heaps of the wallabies sevens girls we got flown no, we didn't get flown we got hosted we drove out to a town called west Wyalong, which was like seven hours in from sydney and it was like their ladies day and they put us up in a hotel and me and ben just spent like the, the whole night with this random club in west Wyalong and the rural outback like red dirt new south wales they had like one wallaby from there. Um, oh, I can't remember his name, but they was super proud. Super proud of this one dude who came out of West Wylon club. Oh, I can't remember. Anyway. Um, yeah, bro. It was wild. So yeah, our marketing was just like, get out there, do it. And then the other side was we started just making memes about rugby and like no Photoshop. Like we had like apps that were like face remover and like you could copy someone's face and put it in on something else. And like, yeah like just using the most basic things you could think of like meme generator.net like and just like cropping it so that the meme generator part on the bottom corner was not in your post so like it looked like we'd made it like just stuff like that and I think it's because we started around the same time that YKTR did yeah and like um there's also the pig athletic up in Brisbane like there's all these podcasts in uh Australia um that we all started around the same time and they're all like hissing out those guys are doing meme. So I'm like, oh, what would we have been like? <laughs> yeah, because our whole thing was like, we're we're Kiwis in Australia, so we can take the piss out of everything. And like people kind of were a bit more willing to hear from Kiwis talking about union rather than Aussies for some reason. But, yeah.
1: Listen, I mean, the Australians are the worst because they just, they're not even apologetic about their bias. Um, and just, just on a little side note, bro, it's interesting that you say that, you know, you, didn't have the likes of photoshop to create the memes that i guess what a lot of content creators use today and it's probably one of the biggest hurdles for me is that um when i go into producing content i want it to be so perfect you know because I, I look at this like as my yeah like my little passion thing and i want everything that i want to come out i want to just down to the finest detail be correct but it's funny that a lot of the time like you said like use like some meme generator where you've still got half the background with whatever crops that you've done still in it but that's the stuff that pops off hey eh? like it's, it's real interesting the social media space so could you maybe run through some of the learnings that you had over yeah. those first initial years um with the podcast and with the meme creation that could help out fellow content creators
0: yeah bro i um from early on like we didn't really like we're not professional so like why am i trying to look it? you know mm. i think that the, the the thing that people appreciate and I I still believe this to this day is what this was my like philosophy at the blues as well was like it's authenticity over anything else like don't try and polish it up if it wasn't that way when it happened so like if I'm sitting on the couch watching the Highlanders uh, be the first team to lose to an Australian team for years as we were like you think of a meme just make it get it out because social media has only got a lifespan of like eight hours bro so like is it worth the time that you're putting into it for it to be living in the social media world for eight hours? Or like there's that little, there's a leeway, like there's a line where it cuts off. It's like, okay, you've spent too long on it for how long it's going to exist. So just get it out. So there's the amount of effort versus the amount of exposure. And then there's like, a good idea is a good idea. It's going to pop off if the premise is solid. So like a meme, if the meme's funny, it's going to go. And sometimes the fact that it's trash looking is even funnier. Mm. Like sometimes you see those pages where like they've got a Giddy subscription and they their meme looks like real perfect and like real high def, and you're like, uh, sometimes it's funnier if it looks like you've screenshot it. Like yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know how that helps to like promoting like the podcast. Like Al, like okay. when you make your, I, I see on your podcast you got like the, the tip like you got your um cover photo right like you've got mm. your style that you do when we did ours like we'd literally take a photo with the person and like the caption would just be whatever we wanted to say Because like that's like another algorithm thing Is like if you've got a lot of words on a post the yeah. algorithm thinks you're trying to advertise so say it in the caption is probably the other thing that i took
1: handy notes for handy notes um so aussie initial couple of years you somehow find yourself a home with a media accreditation for the Waratahs. So was it off the back of that experience that you found yourself back in Auckland with a gig at the Blues? Like, did they poach you or like, did life take you back to Auckland? Yeah, how did that all unravel?
0: Well, the Waratahs one wasn't like, I wasn't working with them. They just let us into a game to like, (laughs) we were like the first group of podcasts video vlog things in australia to be let into a super rugby game and like they let us go to the members lounges and we we're interviewing people but we had this dumb idea we got a big king size bed sheet and we painted our logo on it in black paint and we stood on the tv side of the cameras and we were just holding it up on halfway and we got escorted out by security because <laughs> they're like you can't do that here like you can't advertise people pay tens of thousands of dollars and we're like, "Wow." <laughs> <laughs> Like we had our phone number on it and shit, like just text. Like, <laughs> so like, we got where it started taking off was we we DM'd. Um, you know the Sportsmate apps, those ones for like. There's a there's a series of apps for sport called Sportsmate, and they do like NBA, NRL, Super Rugby, Rugby Union, uh, NFL, and they have a little section on there where they have podcasts. Okay. And we just messaged them because they only had like a hundred followers on Twitter, but they like, it was a really popular app. So like, I was like, I reckon if we DM them, they'll read it. So like we did about them hosting our podcast and they did, they made us their featured podcast on their union app. So like during the lions tour in 2017, we had like 12,000 listeners a week. Jesus. Yeah. And then, and then after the lions tour, it dropped off, but we we had about 1000 to 2000 a week. We did like 70 episodes overall and the the like when we were talking off camera i said trust in a dm slide bro like the same way you get everyone on your podcast like a dm uh, slim to the dms of sportsmate got us featured to the dms of waratahs got us accreditation we like message players from the wallabies hey bro do you want to come on this podcast here's some links to our videos and like just asking the worst they can do is be like nah not keen. Mm-hmm. but you're if you ask 20 people and one of them says yes, like slowly that rate will get smaller and smaller until like anyone you ask will be like, yeah, I'll find time. So I messaged the blues one day in, 20, uh, in yeah, 2018. And for various personal reasons, like I was, move, I was looking to go back home anyway. I chased a girl to Australia, didn't work out. So I was like, oh, fuck, what, what am I going to do? So then I dimmed the blues, literally said, hey, here's some links to all my videos. Can I interview Rico or Akita?" And then Robin Rowley, I found out was was the person on the other end who ended up becoming my manager message being like, oh, well, our social media manager has just left. What are you doing for work? <laughs> and I remember like reading that message from the blues, being like, I was sitting in a staff room, bro, some Catholic school staff room on the north shore of Sydney. And I was like, I'll do that. Yeah. And I did like a Skype interview the next day at that same school at lunchtime. Like, <laughs> and just started getting all these wheels moving, like right place, right time, messaged at the right time and ended up getting a job at the Blues. And then, <laughs> yeah, I remember sitting like in a meeting with the CEO, like on a Skype call, like having a suit, like tie and like blazer on, but just like hubbies <laughs> on underneath, like, like looking real presentable. And they're like, our biggest concern is that you don't know where the line is. <laughs> and I was like, no, no, I'll, I'll be sweet. Like I'll figure it out. Like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah and then yeah so i ended up flying back to that interview happened in august and then i started with the blues in like the first week of october 2018 wow yeah
1: all right so you somehow stumble into a job off um off a dm like you said trust in the dm but with having no experience you know having spent most of your adulthood i guess working towards a teaching degree and then becoming a teacher and then moving to oz so you move back to auckland and you know like you said you're a you're familiar with it but you're now in an occupation where probably the length of your experience is taking the piss you know so <laughs> what, like, what, how, how do you you know what happens day one and like how did you figure it out to the point where you felt competent
0: day one I remember it. I remember walking into Blues HQ, day one, like having like this team meeting. I have to sit with the CEO of the Blues, Michael Redman, at the time, and I remember we have a meeting about the Blues values and stuff. And I just remember feeling like I was going to throw up at any moment. Like I'm like, what am I doing here? Like that imposter syndrome of like, Mm. what, like this is wrong. I shouldn't be here. What the fuck? Like, not me. This is this is so weird. So we sat through that interview, not really paying attention to him, just trying not to throw up from like anxiety sickness. And then going in and having like lunch, sitting literally across from Tana Umanga, And that same feeling of like, what, a, like talking to him about he was a vegetarian. And I was like, what? is this, what is, what? is this <laughs> wrong? Something's wrong here. Like I've, someone's going to come and tap me on the shoulder and be like, mate, like get, get out of here. <laughs> got to go, got to go. And no one ever did. No one ever tapped me on the shoulder and told me to leave, which is a shock. And like, yeah, that first day was crazy. And then you like meet Leon McDonald and you meet Dan, Dan Halangahu and Tom Coventry. Because at that point, none of the boys are back. They're all off in NPC or All Blacks campaign. So I guess that was good because I had time to kind of adjust to this new surrounding without the added pressure of like, holy shit, that's Rico. Holy shit, that's Ma'anonu oh my God, Sonny Bill Williams. So I'm like, you know, I had time to prepare for that. Yeah. But I probably would have just been like a nervous wreck, like,
1: hey, no, <laughs> 100%. Yeah. Uh, okay. So you have some time to find your feet before all the stars roll in. Um, but do you want to talk us through where things were at in the social media space for the Blues? Because I think for anybody that follows all of the teams across social media, the Blues are the pinnacle um, sure. and, and rugby, I, I, I put them ahead of the All Blacks just for the way that you guys, I know that you're not there currently, but for the content that you guys tune out, it, like you said, it's just that authenticity. It's got that humor. Um, it's got that punchiness. Everything's clear and concise, but I'm guessing it wasn't always that way. So mm-hmm. starting from day one, like what was, well, how did you see it? And then, yeah, what did you apply from your time with the rugby roundup to, To, again, you know, build that traction. Because I guess you've already got a fan base. But then it's, yeah, I guess changing the themes and, yeah, the channel. Yeah,
0: Yeah, you've kind of, you're pretty much on the right track, bro. Like like I said, from Rugby Roundup, I knew that we were getting traction because we were being authentic and real and, like, representing, like, the actual community of Rugby Union in Sydney. So I was like, well, it's got to be the same in Auckland. Like, I remember thinking, because the Blues... I don't know if you're familiar with the blues history but there was a period where they weren't good <laughs> <laughs> there was like this brief period of 19 years <laughs> <laughs> and i remember walking in after it was 2018 that season had finished and they'd won four and like my first thing i had to do was sell memberships and like it was like putting my hand in a mousetrap every morning like okay like Hey, do you want to buy a membership? <laughs> like, you don't have to. Why do you have to say it that way? Like, it, people are just commenting, like, "Why would I waste money? Why would I do this?" So mm. it's kind of like, okay, people don't want to be sold to by the blues, uh, and I was thinking, like, well, we're not really that authentic. And then looking around, everyone else, like, it, everyone was pretty much just a Briscoe's catalog, right? Like, everyone was like here's our sponsor trying to sell you a match day ticket and here's our full-time graphic with the score and our sponsors and here's our team list with all of our sponsors and like here's a training gallery with a sponsor logo on the bottom it's like this is actually looks like I'm flicking through a magazine that I don't particularly want to read and it was Mm -hmm. the same for every team like every team and uh, we can talk about which teams were the worst later but like (laughs) So I was like, okay, my first job is to, like, change the face from being ads to, like, the, t- the players, because that's why people watch, because they want to watch these players. And if I can make people like the player, they'll even if they hate the Blues, but they like Rico, or they feel like they know Rico, like, you'll be more likely to give them a chance, or you'll follow, because, like, hey, we've got Ma'anonu. And no one's ever had access to Ma'anoni like this before, where you can see him doing a bench press or you can watch him running up a hill. So I was like, that's just what I'm going to do. I'm just going to show people who follow the Blues what we're up to all the time. And that's essentially what I did for four years, was I just hung out with the team for four years with a camera and just put out the most interesting stuff that happened. And I think that I think we were the first team to let that curtain be lifted. Yeah. And that's credit to like Leo McDonald, because like a lot of coaches, I imagine at that time, were like very secretive, like you, you can imagine like the All Blacks don't let people go watch their trainings, they put up mm. those walls, And so like, it took a bit of time for, like, I remember one time Dan Hillinger, who was like, you got to take that story down because you showed a line out move. And like, I remember being like, ah, like okay, that's why coaches don't want to open up because they might see like a launch from a scrum or like they yeah. might see a backline formation that we're going to use on the weekend. So like learning what to show where the opposition, there were a couple of times where Leo McDonald literally learned lineouts from another team because they put up a picture and there was a whiteboard in the background. I'm not going to say what team it was, but we knew their lineout calls one time because they put up a, it was a video and in the video you could pause it and you could see their whiteboard with their, (laughs) so like there's stuff like that. That was 2019. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, I, I, that was that was going to be one of sort of my follow-up questions bro like um maybe outside of potentially yeah giving the opposition your playbook i can only imagine like at that time when social media was still it was obviously like big i guess like in the states but you know like anything in life when it comes to new zealand versus the rest of the world we're about 10 years behind the trend um sure, And so walking into that social media space, and even now, um, I used to work at Basketball New Zealand, bro, and it's just, it's not not to throw any of my old colleagues under the bus, but it was almost trying to flick their understanding of, like, how social media works and what pops off. And, like, yes, like you said, there is a line that sometimes... if you do cross it there is the potential to have blowback but there's also the potential to actually like blow up your own audience and actually like build that traction so how much towing and frying was there when you first started your job because like you said you had the rugby roundup and you're not um, accountable to anyone you know like everything that you do is just a blowback on yourself whereas now you're dealing with a brand and an organization so did it take much persuading to get the marketing team on your side and be like okay you're like I know that this graphic might be you know a bit contentious but like I feel like it has the potential to do this and I know that you know earlier you mentioned like the, the lifespan of social media eight hours but for those that aren't familiar with it they don't see that they don't recognize that so yeah, yeah. How, how did that whole conversation work or was it was there any pushback to begin with
0: yeah there was for sure there was and there was also like I wasn't even pushing that hard to begin with because like I was still trying to figure out where I fit in and like I'm just here to promote the team like I got to do my job real well and that first 2019 season was there wasn't so much personality and that's because I wasn't that comfortable and also they probably weren't that comfortable with like we still only won five that season like yeah, I remember we had four games in a row that we won. We beat the Highlanders and Chiefs for the first time at home in like years, but we still only won five games total. So it was like a disappointing season. Like we didn't really, we hadn't earned the right to have a fun. If that mm. makes sense, like fans yeah. wouldn't let us have fun, but we were peeling back the curtain so that they could see the, the human side of the Blues. Um, it wasn't until 2020 when I started like, once I'd been in the role for a year and a bit, I felt comfortable and the team was comfortable with me. They trusted me. The boys knew me, coaching staff knew me and the, like the marketing staff knew me too. That's when we started, like you said about America, uh, me and Jamie board the graphic designer. So he, he was like the wizard who did like all of our billboards and members merch, um, like all the cards and lanyards and flags, like. I started asking Jamie to help Americanize our full-time, our team namings, all of that stuff. Like let's get rid of all the sponsors and just make it really like cool looking. Mm. And then the boys kind of responded to that. They open up more cause they see that we're making social media look cool. And then we still lost like our first two, three games of that season, but then we beat the bulls in Pretoria. and Then we went on a run of like six games or seven games going into before COVID hit, we were on like a five game winning streak. And we started to have a bit of swagger and like Hoskins had debuted and he was scoring and like Sam Nock was on and like, so all the boys suddenly had like the swagger about them. And then it was like, we beat the hurricanes in Wellington. And I remember I did a caption and I was like, I'm just gonna fucking go, I didn't ask anyone. And I was like, "Um, today's forecasted hurricane has been downgraded to a light breeze. And that was our full-time caption. And like, people were like, yo, like, it went wild. Like, I love this chat. And I was like, oh man, like, I want to do that more. Like, it went yeah. off. And then we played the Lions and we carved them up by like 40 points and then lockdown. And that was like, up until, up until lockdown, we kind of had been, um, you know, we're starting to open up into being a bit more out there. And the Chiefs were the only other team for that whole time I was at the Blues from October, 2018 till then who had like a decent social media presence. Shout out to April Yells. She's now at um, Netball New Zealand, but her and I were like rivals. It was like a uh, frenemies. because <laughs> like, she was Chiefs. We hated Chiefs. They hated us. And like, mm. we kind of commented on each other's things and we had that banter going but all the other teams just still look like Briscoe's catalogs, man. Like the worst was the Crusaders. They were the worst. Like they just had like ads about mobile ads about Hyundai ads about this and a full-time graphic. But then in lockdown, the chiefs, I think it was such a bad decision on their part. They got rid of April. So then they started operating without a social media manager, but the Crusaders hired Jack, this guy called Jack Ryan. I think that's his last name. Sorry, Jack and he's like a gun photographer videographer like all of a sudden like almost overnight the crusaders looked really good as well as being a good team and i was like shit like, <laughs> here's my like i was like, like so april had to move on but then jack came along and he made the crusaders match kind of like what you would expect the best team in new zealand to look like because up until that point they were like what did you why would you follow it looked so boring like, yeah. and then, And I I still personally think the Hurricanes haven't caught up. (laughs) Like they're almost there, but like still, like still learning. But that's also like, yeah, I've forgotten the question, but yeah, teams kind of prioritise social media differently. They didn't quite see the value of it. Crusaders switched on, Chiefs switched off, and then um, Highlanders and Hurricanes are still working at it, I think. Mm, It's funny
1: that you mentioned the Crusaders and then yourself, who are probably the two best at the moment. I still put you guys ahead it's is funny, like, when you think of the Crusaders and, like, you know, a well-oiled machine and, you know, very proper, and that's what their graphics are like. It's very sleek, yeah. like, but, you know, they've obviously, like, done really well to align their social media presence for the way that their team operates. And then, yeah, I guess, with the Blues, I mean, you guys are a well-oiled machine as well, but there's probably a bit more unconventionalness to your type of play, you know, like, the, yeah, like yeah. the way that your players express themselves, like your Rico, your Hoskins, your Sam, they're a bit more knockabout. But I guess rolling on to one of my other questions, bro. Like when you talk about that, um, that relatability and you, you touched on the fact that it took you but probably about a year for yourself to feel comfortable in your position, um, but then also to have the players have the buy-in, because I think like um I was mentioning off air to you, bro, whenever I have guests on, you know, it's it is it is pretty difficult to try and make them feel comfortable through oh. a screen. And, you know, with a lot of rugby players, with the way that they're media trained these days, they're not I guess encouraged to express themselves verbally unless they are um, confident with it, or unless you know they've been in the likes of the All Blacks camps where they. are Or put it this way, I feel like the the best talkers are more you know just senior guys, and that's because they've been around the track, they've had to be thrown in front of press conferences. Um, but I guess that's probably the the difference to where I see league and union um, globally mm-hmm. is just the the way that league's marketed and the way that they encourage their players to actually like be themselves. Whereas yeah. here, I think for rugby full stop, not and this is what I'm getting to the Blues, guys aren't, but I feel like you and your team when you were there did a really good job of making the players relatable. Like you said, um, you know, while the Blues weren't very good, if the team if, or the fans liked Rico, that's a way to, I guess, sort of bridge that gap between player to fan and fan to player. So yeah, was that, sort of like you said, the front of mind for all of your content moving forward. You know, it's like, if we can put the players at the forefront, everybody else is going to follow.
0: Yeah, that was that was exactly what my whole thing was when I first started was like, players first. If you like the player, you can't hate the team as much. It's funny you mentioned media training because like uh, inside baseball, like they get sat down as a rookie at the start of your first year of Super Rugby and told like, don't post anything stupid on Facebook go back and delete any things like that, but they don't get taught how to talk to news reporters. Like it just doesn't happen. And I think everyone feels, that's like a common um, misunderstanding with New Zealand rugby is that like New Zealand rugby throttles the players. But a lot of the time it is just that like, the players are just there to play footy and they don't wanna talk. And the media kinda does themselves a disservice sometimes I reckon, because one week you've got this reporter like ripping you a new one saying how terrible you were and then the next week he's there at your training trying to get you to open up on a like it's like mate like i read what you said about me so like this this thing where it's like oh you know players just don't open up it's like no you're just a dick yeah (laughs) maybe maybe don't be a dickhead and they'll open up to you so like that's that's why you get players um at the blues they are starting to open up because journalists are not ripping them a new one each week. And I guess it's tied in with performance and like, you know, you you feel confident in your ability and the way your team's playing. So then I'll, I'll more willingly talk about whatever. That's one side of it. But then the other side, which again, Leon McDonald, he's, he's he's going to be an amazing All Blacks coach one day. I know that because he together with um some old blues legends like Doug Howland and that, they did a lot of work in that 2020 beginning of 2020 when Bodhi first joined without going into all the detail that they did this, a lot of work on culture. And one of the things that came out of it was the need for everybody to be able to be themselves. Like one of the key like values of that blues team was real self. And it was something that you'd hear talked about all the time. Like that's why the boys colored their hair and all of that. So yeah, okay. If that's how you are, go for it. And so Mm -hmm. then that real self where the coaches were encouraging the boys to Express themselves this way or that way. Then you they started doing that on the field, and they started doing it to journalists with each other. Then, like that, there's there's that bridge. There used to be a bridge between the front office and the team. And then even that started to close up. Like it felt like our marketing manager or memberships manager could go and talk to the boys in the team. And there was like a lot of camaraderie. Mm -hmm. We all eat lunch together in the same room. And like it's like there's no separation whereas since i've finished with the blues i've gone to other teams like especially the nrl's bad for it where the team doesn't even know the name of the person taking photos and posting of, of them like there's no there's not there's not that real connection so like yeah the, the media training thing i think is a misunderstanding and as well as uh, Rangi doing a lot of work to get the boys to express that real self getting yeah because get, that's that's the thing that people want to see they want to see what this player actually is like and what they actually think not what is going to be the safe thing to say and I, I think the boys is slowly starting to filter out like brad Weber, he's amazing on camera love that dude he like he says how it is like it's wicked and then um by like ash dixon and aaron smith as well those guys and arty as well like you're starting to get people who are like opening up more on camera which is mean
1: oh absolutely bro and i think that i guess with the way that social media is going now i think the players understand that there are benefits to actually going out there and being yourself and i look at someone like a duplicy karifi for example who seems to be in a couple of ads because of the way that he talks and like art ah, he's got his own stuff going on with his clothing label and like you said like when players become relatable and people you know get an insight for them they, they feel like they know them and so yep. then, like you said, that they're, they're more likely to, to give them a pass or, you know, maybe not just hammer them all the time, like, like like we see with the media, bro. But I just don't understand all the old heads that obviously run these TV networks with the content that they, that they produce, you know, like not to take a shot at like a blues legend, but like John Kueh and, you know, like, and, you know, all the stuff that happens on the breakdown, like are, are they that far removed from like actually knowing what pops off or the way that the world is trending with social media and I guess just um, the reporting of games and and even the media to a certain, to a certain extent, you know, with the the access that these guys have to these players and the types of content that they turn out, I don't think they recognize that they're actually, like you said, they're doing themselves a disservice because the people that are clicking into these things, you know, they're moving away. That's the older generation. And I don't feel like anybody's quite adapted to it that has that power and that money behind them. Um, But where am I trying to go with this question, bro? But, is it, is it frustrating for you, who's, I guess, who has all this expertise and knows that, you know, if you were in the position to make those calls where you're telling, like, the likes of Jeff Wilson and John Kerwin and Mark Hinton, like, allowing them to do what they want, like, how much better traction and how much more yeah. interaction that they get and yeah. a, a, a more positive image? That, yeah, yeah. Does all that make
0: sense, bro? No, uh, so, like, I think what you're touching on there is, like, the legacy media, like, and it's a very slow-moving machine. Like, there there was frustration both ways. It was a two-way street where, like, I think you identified that, like, say, Sky has been, was slow to, like, modernize their content. But that was also because, say, like, I wouldn't want them to film this because then I can't film it and put it out on the blues. Right. So, like... After COVID lockdown, 2020, I decided to do the BTV, like, Inside the Blues series. So, like, I, it was the first time I'd seen a Super Rugby team do it where each almost every other day I'd do a video about what happened that day, talking to the players, talking to the coaches. And that was 2020. And then, lo and behold, 2021 season comes around. Sky wants to do all-access kind of videos and stuff. And so I'm like, what do you want to film? Because, like, that's kind of my thing. (laughs) Yeah. So there's a lot of obviously sky's sky then became a sponsor of super rugby whereas before they were the broadcast and now they're on the sleeve so it's kind of like okay we've got to let you in but we're what what are you going to show versus what can we show um so there's kind of a headbutting of like a content wall because if you if you're following if you're following a rugby game say you watch uh, the blues crusaders final you would have scrolled through your Instagram feed. Blues would have posted that try. Sky would have posted that try. Super Rugby NZ would have posted that try. Super Rugby Australia would have posted that try. Rugby.com.au, like uh, Rugby Pass, Mm. uh, Sky Sport Rugby, like all these different accounts are all posting the same content. And it was like, there was like this battle of like, okay, how are we going to differentiate? And like, it gets to a point where everyone's wanting to do behind the scenes all access like that's that feels like it's all anyone's doing now it's like hey, behind the scenes come in the changing room look at this training here we are visiting the Marai. like it's all cool but like everyone's doing it to the point where now it's like oversaturated with realness yeah and and so sky the point being is that we didn't make it easy for them i'll admit that they know that like we didn't and like our media manager hep he also like you want to protect the players from having to do too much marketing or too much media, or you know, that some players don't do well on camera or, you know, that like we're going to do this training session and it's going to have great content. So like if Sky films that, then we can't go out with it or we're going to compete with them for the same stuff. So you like pick and choose. And maybe Sky's getting the stuff that we are happy for them to get for mm. a reason, if that makes sense. So yeah, there's a, there's a lot of like, now that I'm out of it there's a lot of stuff that you see as a fan you're like oh no, I know why that has come out that way and it's not always as simple as like oh they're so behind the ball or like New Zealand rugby so backwards it's, it's there's a lot more to it there's a lot more going on than meets the eye in all those cases um, and it's not anyone's fault it's not it's just the way the beast works
1: no oh yeah that, that's great insight for me I, I definitely wouldn't have recognizing now that you said about the the regurgitation of content the fact that everybody posts it and that yeah there's only so much that goes on in a day to where you know if everybody's having their piece of the pie yeah maybe the stuff that sky produces isn't going to be as great because i was going to say again bro like they don't have the relationship with the players like you do exactly so that's the that's sort of the ace that you have up your sleeve it's like okay well you can go and take a kidder and rico but they're going to be in um media training mode whereas with you you're just one of the bros and so like which which piece of content do i want to to watch them being real or do i want to watch them being you know you're just you know really great for the opportunities you know the you know boys turned it on um full credit to the ladies in the kitchen you know like (laughs) um yeah Yeah, I i know what you mean i guess that that just goes back to to the awesome work that you've done with getting them on your side and um yeah having them feel comfortable on camera and having them feel comfortable to to be themselves. Um, well, the other thing that I want to touch on is that the, the the difference in New Zealand, and it sort of like um connects in with my previous question about um, you know, the, the Americanization of things and the, how outspoken the like LeBron and shit are like after their games and the the rivalries that the players have from the different teams. But I guess like in New Zealand, there's only you can't really like if I'm a blues player, I can't really like genuinely uh-huh. hate someone from the Crusaders because if we both are really good, we're going to be brothers when it comes to the all blacks. Um, uh-huh. so yeah, I mean like how, how do you sort of see that space developing? Because you know, like when they get players on the camera after a game and you know, the blues are just point fifty points on the Highlanders and they're like, Oh man, that was a tough game. Part of me is just like, I, I totally understand that you have to be respectful, but there's a part of me that just wants the players to be real. Because oh. like that, that's the attraction to the American sports because guys are just real. They they, they 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 say things with their chest. Whereas like here, if a guy goes out of pocket, he's not only putting himself out there, but he's putting his team out there. And that's what I, and I understand, and, and I completely, you know, respect that and understand that that's why guys have to be a bit more toned down with what we all know that they actually want to say. But yeah, do you, I mean, as someone who's, you know, um, close to the, po- or as a guy who has his finger on the pulse and who is closer to those guys than I've ever been, do you think that we'll ever see that evolution or is it, yeah,
0: not in New Zealand rugby? Like you won't see anyone from the Blues singling out anyone from another team. You won't even hear, like, I don't think, I don't think it'll happen individually because there, you don't have that same, even like, provincial loyalty anymore so like yeah Blues isn't just auckland Northland, north north harbour there's a lot of guys from around the country and same as crusaders i mean the fact of the matter is auckland's got like one third of all registered rugby players in the country so if you look around the npc there's like 150 players from auckland and all the different npc squads so like there's you you don't have that same sort of like fierce otago canterbury my team is full of people from where i'm from and grew up like they still represent you, but you're not going to get that same sort of rivalry. But I think where you will or where it, it should be, where it's possible that it will happen is by like the accounts themselves. I think like the Blues, the Crusaders, the Chiefs, the Hurricanes, the Highlanders accounts can do that in lieu of the players because it's, it's the Highlanders account that's talking shit to the Hurricanes account. And yeah. it's a faceless person. It represents all of them, but then the guys don't have to own it as well. Like mm. if I say something as the blues, the, the boys might come up to my desk and be like, fuck, this is hilarious. <laughs> but like not have to share it on their story. Like they yeah, don't have to stamp yeah. it. So like you I think that's where it needs to happen. And like with fans, like some of the funniest things I ever read was like. People coming onto to our page as a Crusaders fan and saying something, and it cuts so deep, but it's hilarious. Yeah, it's like, that's where it's that's that's where it's all happening. You just, it's just, you, I don't think we'll ever see the players. And like, if it does happen, it'll be wild. I'd be so surprised if, like, yeah, I couldn't even imagine who it would be being like, duh, 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 not right. for that high tackle. He should have this and that. Like, I just couldn't see it happening. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, I guess with over in America, you know, like a lot of those guys, whilst they obviously make a shitload of money playing their sports they've got that many endorsements behind them that they don't have to worry about that like when i take like kyrie irving as an example you know with all the stuff that he has going on in his own direction but yeah good to have that insight from you bro and i guess just just looking at social media as a whole you know taking stuff away from the blues and the work that you do for dynasty because social media you know changes So quickly and you know, like stuff is, you know, in fashion for five minutes and then it's out the door. How challenging is it for you who has to like constantly live in that eco-space to be like, man, I've just I'm tuning out this sort of content and then the next day it changes? Like it's so volatile, the space in a way. Um, yeah. How how do you stay on trend or like where do you draw like a lot of your inspiration of? Or do you have accounts that you follow that, you know, because New Zealand's 10 years behind, but you just you sort of keep track with them because you know that that's the stuff that's going to pop off here
0: yeah i guess there's there's a you can do social media two ways like you can you can try and get everything trendy and i think that's what like we were good at jumping on that and at dynasty like with an apparel brand which isn't really an established brand mm. like dynasty sport is the biggest clothing brand no one's ever heard of like <laughs> that's that's what it is like we have like the titans the sharks the sea eagles the cowboys Northern, tasman canterbury Moana pacifica like so many teams but people have never heard of it so like you kind of have to ride trends and you have to capitalize on like will smith slapping chris rock and make a meme about it and like yeah. so you that's that's one way that people play it but people get caught in the trap of that's all their social media is is like what's trending what's the current tiktok sound what's the current lens flare on my reel like everyone's doing the same shit yeah that's the trend and so by everyone doing the same stuff you don't stand out so like you you can jump on trends but at the same time you have to have your own tone of voice and look like so people if they see this post they know it's from you like oh that's that's yes that's a will smith slapping chris rock meme, but i can tell that it's from that account because of X or Y, like I'd always try and Photoshop on a blues jersey or something like that. You know, just make it a bit more bluesified. And like with Dynasty, like I'll do the same. I'll put the logo on on the clothes or something. Um, but yeah, far less memes these days. <laughs> but yeah, just trying to get that balance between writing trends, but also finding your own brand look and feel. Like that's what I'm working on with Dynasty at the moment, is like, how are we gonna? It's not, it's an established brand in that been around for five years but it's not an established brand and that people know it whereas with the blues I came in onto a brand that had 20 odd years history and I could kind of jump on a following already and amplify it this other one is kind of like I'm finding out exact I don't really know the answer to your question bro because I'm trying to figure it out do I jump on trends with dynasty or do I make our own brand is it a mixture of both and what is that mixture like I'm only four months into it you know? So I think that's why I took it. Cause I, I, like, I did it with the blues. I changed. That sounds real. I oh, it. Yeah. Like I changed the way social media was done in rugby. So can, can I do something similar to the apparel space and compete with the likes of Nike and Canterbury and Puma footy? Cause at the moment I'm looking at them and I'm seeing the same shit I saw in 2018 with Briscoe's catalogs on, on super rugby accounts. It's like, okay, there's space here for a brand to be authentic and genuine and represent the people that are wearing our clothing and and not do it in like some cheap gimmicky woke way where like hey look we're going to change the color of our logo for a a month it's like no we can actually we can there's a there's a way to do it i haven't figured out how yet how to do it in a way that resonates but it's it's gonna come it's coming yeah no i can
1: see that and i'll just touch on a personal note for me bro like it's probably one of the biggest struggles for me um like when it comes to the content that i produce is that I'm mindful of you know I, I feel like you know I need to have a point of difference but you know I don't want to extend myself to the point where it's not me so when yeah. you talk about stuff like trends they're like yep I know that if I make a meme on a certain thing that like yeah it might be funny but like it doesn't because it doesn't I guess sort of sit with me to where it's like that's my humor it, it feels inauthentic on my part and I don't feel like I can constantly create it because that's the thing with um content creation as well right like you just have to constantly stay in the algorithm and Mm. constantly be posting and what i've learned myself is that when i've gone to do stuff that isn't me i just have burnout and so it's i guess it's about finding that that happy balance between stuff that yep it's you and you're not um like you said putting too much time into it to the point where it's just like man that's a really cool piece of content but if it's taking you 10 hours and it's only going to get 30 30 minutes of fame like was it really worth um that the, the opportunity costs but making sure that you're producing content to the point where you're not just posting once a week and yeah that's stuff that I'm still trying to figure out and even like with my with my podcast bro it's like what makes me different from like a water lad or yeah. um like the rugby joe over in the UK it's like we're basically all doing the same things and I'm probably at the bottom of the barrel in terms of my um reach to players and access to them but yeah, I guess that's the, the thing that I'm trying to fine-tune personally. It's like, what makes me different from everybody else and what's going to draw them in to want to listen to my interviews? You know, like, if we all interview the same person, like, why why would they pick mine first rather than the other two channels? So, mm. yeah, I can definitely relate to, I guess. What do you
0: think that is, though? Like, what is what is what a lad, like, that's James Marshall, eh? he's got mm. that kind of, like, professional athlete from... Uh, From what I understand, he'd probably be bound by the same shit we're talking about. We're like, he's an athlete. He's got to present himself a certain way. I don't know if the players would necessarily cut loose on a podcast like that. Rugby Joe in the UK might be more of the same. English lads probably open up a bit more and are just naturally funnier. But like, maybe your thing is that because it's smaller... They might feel a bit more like, oh, I can open up a bit more because this might not make it to sky or something, and <laughs> like you can get the more real side of them, you know. Yeah you're, pretty, yeah. you're a charming dude, man. You've got you've got me fully comfortable. I'm talking about stuff like I'm not, hasn't been awkward at all. Like I'm, that's probably like your thing that you can use when you talk to people. Like I saw you talk, you talk to Josh Goodhue, the Goodest you. <laughs> he's um he's he's a good man. We call him Big Sexy, and he's like you got him open up talking about all sorts of stuff and like it wasn't easy to do that with him at the blues but he did so there's there's something there for sure you just got to keep at it like it took me 70 episodes of my podcast and then even then we didn't really like i never had a sponsor bro you got sports fuel on board yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah, um, yeah again very humbling man and i yeah i guess that's yeah that's something that i'm constantly thinking about like you know when i'm comparing myself to other accounts that are popping off and yeah i think you're right i think the the point of difference that i think that i have um is that i try i I try to put myself in the fan shoes it's like mm. i'm having I'm, I'm just a representation of the fans and i'm asking questions that i think that other rugby geeks and other code heads would want answers to and yep. yeah i try to yeah do as best i can to make my interviewees feel as comfortable as they can be on camera with a with a guy that they've only had a conversation with on instagram up until yeah. the time i get them mm-hmm. on zoom so yeah like you said it's a it's a constant work in progress um but yeah i've, I've definitely been yes, something- but that's
0: it you've nailed it man because like that's that that's the thing like authenticity you are legitimately a fan you've literally dm'd these dudes so like people watching you don't think you're going to be john Kerwin being like and so here's the stat: when you debuted for the Auckland Grammar in 2004 and blah, 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 like they're not expecting mm. that. They're expecting literally what you just said, a fan being like, holy shit, it's so crazy to be talking to Adi Savi. I can't believe it. I've, I'd like, I've been watching, like, that's yeah. what they expect. Like, and there's nothing wrong with that because it's like, that's legitimately what's happening. And as you get further and further down the track and you become more comfortable talking to them, the people who follow you will have been on that journey and they'll be like, oh, look, I remember when when he talked to Ari Savia in two thousand twenty two, and now it's two thousand twenty five. And look, he's talking like like it's nothing. And he's got his studio set up. And I've been on this journey with. That's what people love seeing on a podcast.
1: Yeah, well, that's the dream, bro. That, that, that's definitely the dream. And um, yeah, I guess I just gotta keep turning up every day and yeah. hoping that you know, amongst all the, the millions of DMs that some of the All Blacks get that yeah, they, that, <laughs> they're that they in who a good mood. On. Tell, tell no, me who you no. want on
0: and I'll tell them. I'll be like, oi, jump on this. All right, my girl. What's your, what's, your, what's, your, what's your list? What's your dream list, bro?
1: My dream list? Well, I don't know. It, it, it's different. Like when I think of someone like a Richie McCall, for example, I, I'd love to just sit down and have a conversation with him, probably in person just to get a feel of the person that he is. But again, I'm not sure that, I'm that overly interested, or he's going to be that forthcoming, just with the the sort True. of character he is. True. So, I mean, like DC is definitely top of the pops, bro. Like the, the the stuff that I've learned about him, and Rico Wani would be another guy that I'd love to hit up, bro. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure I've said into to his DMs a couple of times, unsent messages, sent them again, just just to not just not make it look like I'm. Oh, that's another one, bro. Like I do that so often. Like I'll send the message, get nothing, unsend it, send it again a couple
0: of oh, months no. later we can um, we can I get we can get reeks on I reckon we can get reeks on for sure oh, Rico's funny actually we're, we're talking about Rico and talking about what we had before about players like um media training and players not expressing themselves I think Rico is the exception to that rule we're mm. like and a, a lot like Israel Adesanya as well like I reckon Rico is like a special personality in New Zealand sport especially in rugby because Yes, he's got an ego, but fuck, he's been one of the best players in the world since he was exactly, 18, right. bro. Like, what the fuck are you expecting? Like, literally. And, like, we'd have talks about, like, you know, like, try celebration or, like, the boots he's going to get painted. And it's, like, Odell Beckham Jr. sort of stuff. And it's, like, Zealand rugby needs that. And, like, yes. yeah, he gets hated on because people are, oh, he's too much of an ego. And, like, people were, like, almost happy that he had that, slight fall from grace in 2019 he fell behind severese and george bridge but look now he's back and he's wearing 13 and he's changed his name on instagram to r13 ko like that's fucking gangster shit man like he I know bro. we need more people like that in new zealand rugby like Rix is he's a special one both in terms of talent but also like yeah he's got an ego but he owns it and he's earned the right to have that ego because not only was he mean when he played when he debuted and not only did he have that little dip but then people piled on him so then he's like I'm gonna show you and now he's gone even further than he what. like it's so good man like Rico gets hated on and I couldn't I couldn't be further from that mindset like
1: yeah bro that's exactly why like when when I think of his story as an he was 17 bro when he cracked it when he first played sevens and then you know he's he was obviously the man and then like you said he, he took that blip He's bounced back from that. But then even, you know, you you talk about, like you said, the the special character that he is and the way that he's not afraid to express himself. You know, he'll put GGs after games and stuff like that. And I'm like, that's cool because because he's being himself. Yeah, And I like the fact that, like you said, he's like the style being that he doesn't care. Whereas I I feel like a lot of, maybe it's not to the point that the guys don't care, but they they don't want to welcome any backlash. Whereas I feel like he gets fueled off of it, bro. He probably, Uh, I don't know, he strikes me as a guy who looks at his Instagram comments and he's like, oh, that hater you know i'm gonna screenshot this and then chuck it up after i score three tries tonight you know like
0: yep, i want exactly. to know where
1: that comes from and especially like in contrast to his brother who seems like a you know quite a softly spoken just giant you know just that that differentiation and stuff like that bro? that's that's all the stuff that interests me so man if you could if you could help hook that up bro i'd be forever rico, in
0: debt <laughs> rico come on this podcast bro it's good fun uh <laughs> next question bro i know we've gone. that's the,
1: the, these are the these are my favorite types of conversations to have bro while i do have a line of questions and it is good to have a structure i do like when i go off on all these different right. branches but bringing it back to i guess um round this up bro um social media i know we've gone over it. it's a it's an ever-changing landscape like if you think that you know how things are going to be tomorrow like you're probably going to be wrong but with all the experience that you've had you know going from starting your own page and podcast to being with the Blues and trying to change a narrative with, you were trying to change a narrative with Dynasty Sport. What advice would you give to a fellow social media specialist or a content creator that's you know either starting their jersey journey or going through a blip at the moment or have hit a wall with content? Like when you find yourself in those stages and even reflecting on the learnings that you've had, yeah, what would you put in a book to help guys through those that initial startup period in the tough times the
0: initial startup or I'm torn between like obviously there's like you know the hustle you've always got to keep working at it all of that stuff obviously but some of the best ideas I've had have come when I've put the phone down and I've gone for like disconnect from it all like so at the end of the day like social media is not real life like all those likes and all that stuff is not doesn't it's meaningless to an extent like it it, it's gratifying when you put out content and you get these likes and things but like the online space is not actually you know it's not going to give you anything real and I would fall into the trap of like refreshing likes and having a look at things jumping up and follower numbers and like you can get caught in that where like it becomes really important like how many followers have I got this week how many did I reach with this post what are the insights and um you get caught into thinking that it's more important than it is Mm -hmm. and you can start to obsess about like why didn't that go well what have I done wrong and sometimes the best thing to do is just like just stop like if you're going through a blip maybe it's because you don't have any good ideas at the moment so just relax until you do like (laughs) just keep putting out little bits like if you have a if like you've got ideas of what does work so like why not revisit something that did work like there's nothing wrong with putting out a podcast that you did ages ago that you know there was a good part from just repackage that people just be like here's a conversation I had with Aaron Smith last year revisit it like don't have to reinvent the wheel um yeah don't be afraid to disconnect you're not going to miss out the social media is going to be there there's still going to be people who you can reach. So having a break from it or putting your phone down to have a chat to the Mizzo or like actually watch an entire Netflix movie without checking in, like there's nothing wrong with doing that would be my first bit of advice. But then the second bit of advice to temper that is don't overthink it. Worst thing that can happen is that no one likes it. And then you have to put something else out so don't overthink it don't spend too long on it it's gonna live there for a day maximum the best meme the best post i ever did stopped getting likes after 24 hours so like chill it's gonna there's gonna be another opportunity to reach the same amount of people so this post you're doing now doesn't have to in fact this post you're doing now will not be the one that makes you go viral like you're probably never going to get a viral post so like just stop trying to do that just keep doing your thing. Don't stress about whether or not it's the perfect post because you're gonna get other opportunities to do one that's close to perfect anyway. So put it out, and get on to the next one. Take a break every once in a while, then get the next thing out. Like you're not gonna change the internet. The internet is always gonna be there. And, and yeah, don't stress about it. Do it, don't overthink it. Get it done, move on to the next one. You're gonna hit gold at some point, just keep going. <laughs>
1: Well, I've gone silent because that just—that's me in a nutshell, bro. um yep. Yeah, on my bad days, and I guess yeah, just like in life, a hey, you're gonna have your ups and downs, but it's about consistency, yep. um, persistence, and just just trying new things. And that's yeah, again, personal note. That's the the biggest thing is like getting over that roadblock of like not worrying if it doesn't hit or not worrying if yeah. it gets zero likes but you know you tried it you gave it a go like it's not gonna be stuck in the back of your head thinking like oh maybe if i had done this so yeah and just because it got
0: zero likes doesn't mean it wasn't good it just meant that the algorithm like no one saw it so like Mm. doesn't mean forget it It just means try it again maybe it's going to work once you've got something else ticking over Mm. like the amount of times i've done a meme it hasn't worked so then i've like removed it and then done it later or like the amount of times I've done something that I thought was going to be mean and a bomb. And the amount of times I've posted something that I thought was just a throwaway, nothing picture. And it went off. It's like, it's like you said in the question, like anyone who says they know, and this is especially true on TikTok. I don't know what the fuck is happening on that shit, man. No one does. If someone tells you that they can grow your following by X amount and it's not to do with bots. And they say like, Oh yeah, this will blow up. If you do this. If they say that they know how to have that happen, it's a scam. Yeah. <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah. Don't buy followers, also.
1: <laughs> yeah, bro. I can't say that there's anything worse than you click on an account. It's like, oh, yeah, 10, 20 k followers, and you click the likes. You like, oh, that doesn't marry up. But uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, again, bro, that, that, that's a tale for a different day, and possibly yeah. one we can um, continue to have off here, bro. But I'll wrap up the podcast here, my man. Um, I just want to say. Thank you very much for taking some time out. Um, and, yeah, I'm going to be revisiting this episode numerous times just to make sure that all that you've said hammer's home, bro. So keep up the great work and, yeah, all the best for the future. I look forward to seeing um, how you change that narrative with Dynasty.
0: <laughs> Thanks, bro. No, I appreciate it. This was a, this was some good fun. Any players listening, jump on here, man. It's a good time. <laughs> I'll start with Reeks.
1: You heard it there, boys. All right, brother. Appreciate it. Yeah.